Proverbs chapter 30, we have for over four years been in the book of Proverbs on Wednesday night, and we've come to chapter 30. We'll deal with the last few verses of chapter 29 by the grace of God this evening, but I want to bring some of this great wisdom of this book into the Sunday morning service. I've said before, if there's ever been a generation of people that needed the wisdom of God, it's this generation, and God has plenty of wisdom for us, and we'll find it in His book. And uh, so we're looking at verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 30 together. We'll read the first four verses, if you'll follow along with me. The Bible says, the words of Agur, the son of Jacob, even the prophecy... The man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel and Eucal. Surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom, nor have the knowledge of the holy. Who hath ascended up into heaven, or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? If thou canst tell. The first thing I want you to notice are the verses that we've read. It's a change in the book of Proverbs. We have come to know all the way back when we started this book, and even when we hit chapter 25, verse 1, that these are the Proverbs of Solomon. The Bible said, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out in chapter 25, and those of the king of Solomon, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. And yet, when we come to chapter 30, we have something that's totally different. The Bible says, the words of Agur, the son of Jacob, who is this man? Now, some have said that Solomon is here writing under a pen name and that he is using a pseudonym for himself, and they've tried to, to say that's what this is about. I, I think from what follows, the things that are said in verse 2 and verse 3 could not apply to Solomon. And, and I would say this, things that, that God is uh, silent about, it's vain for us to speculate. I, I'm just going to take it as it says that, that these are the words of Agur, the son of Jacob. You say, well, that's strange. Aren't all the Proverbs Solomon's? I, evidently not. And just like all the Psalms aren't David's. And that should not uh, frustrate us. I mean, because here's what we're going to get to this morning, and it's very, very important, really, as we start to look at this man, because he doesn't have very good qualifications. He doesn't have very good qualifications to write a chapter in the Bible of God's wisdom, because he's not a man of wisdom. He He's not a learned man. He's not an educated man. Matter of fact, the things that he says about himself, and I don't think it's just flattery or the or, or false uh, 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 putting down of oneself, or the Holy Ghost wouldn't let him say this. I think he really meant this in his heart. He just doesn't seem like the person that you would come to or that I would come to to get help or to get wisdom from. Look what he says about himself. 
He says in verse 2, Surely I am more brutish than any man. I don't know if you remember how we, we talked about that word brutish over in chapter 12 when we were there, but that's not a good word. Brutish is not a word that just conveys someone someone's ignorance. It conveys them as being uncivilized. You would call a, a brutish person an uncivilized individual, a, a savage, if you will. When God described those false prophets of our day and the people of our time that hate God and are against the things of God, He calls them in 2 Peter chapter 2, natural brute beasts. That's what He calls them. He says that speak evil of things that they understand not. In other words, they're brute beast. A brutish person is somebody that, that is as dumb as an animal. I think I've met some of those people in my life. I mean, we used to say growing up, dumb as a box of rocks. But when the Lord's described, he's talking about somebody that is brutish. It's like a brute beast. Just, they just, they don't have, their knowledge doesn't rise very far past an animal. I'd say in this day and age, the animals probably have even a little bit more knowledge than some people that I know. You know, there are some things, well, let me move on. Don't want to get sidetracked. So he says about himself, now look, look at your Bible, surely, and not even a doubt, I am more brutish than any man. What a thing to say. What an acknowledgement of your ignorance, your uncivilized nature, your character. Why would I ever listen to anybody that was more brutish than any man? He, he goes on, I'm more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of a man. He says, I am so ignorant that I don't even know what, what, the, what the normal average man knows. I have not the understanding of a man. Again, he's liking himself to be so dense that his knowledge is not even raised to the knowledge of human understanding. It's more base than that. He goes on to say, verse number 3, I neither learned wisdom. So nobody taught him the wise things that he needed to know. He would have been uh, oblivious to all these chapters that we've gone through in the book of Proverbs. He said, I did not learn wisdom. Can you stop to say, well, why are you writing Proverbs 30? This is the book of wisdom. And you've not learned wisdom, so what would you know about it? Is that not the question you would ask? He said, I have neither learned wisdom, nor, verse 3, have the knowledge of the holy. Here his admission is not just about his ignorance, but I think the admission He's confessing his sinfulness here. He said, I am not only ignorant, but, but I, I am not, I don't even have the knowledge of the holy. I, I don't have holiness as a part of my life. What a confession that he is making about himself. You say, well, why in the world? Why is he writing this? Because would you look at verse 1 again? The words of Agur. The son of Jacob, 
Watch it now. Even the prophecy. You know what makes these words special? It's not who is saying them. It's who is giving them. This man did not come up with this himself. This man did not figure this out. This was a prophecy. This was God imparting His Word to man. And what an acknowledgement. I think really He's got a proper view of Himself. I'm more brutish than any man. I have not the understanding of a man. I neither learn wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. What understanding of Himself that He knows that He's nothing and He knows nothing. And I think I've even read that in the New Testament. If a man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing as he ought to know it. What proper view of oneself. I think that's the kind of person that God can give His prophecy through. Matter of fact, Paul, what was Paul's view of himself? He says, I'm chief of sinners. What of you? I'm more brutish than any man. Really? Do you really believe that? Evidently so. I'm the chief of sinners. Paul, you really think you're the worst? That's what I think about myself. That's my view of me. You know anybody that ever really got close to God thought they were the worst? You know what's wrong with humanity today? We don't think we're the worst. We think somebody else is the worst. And, and we'll, we'll be able to enumerate all the things that make them a lot worse than we are. But if you ever see God... You know why this man believes that he's more brutish than any man? Why this man thinks that he has no learning, that he has no wisdom, that he has no knowledge of the holy? Because God is telling him some things about himself. And when he sees God, and when he understands God, he realizes how much he does not know, and how small he is, and how ignorant he really is as he's getting God's revelation. You know, when Job got the revelation of God and God started talking to him, you know what he said? He says, he said to God, I'm vile. That's the best man in the world. The best man in the world said, I'm vile. The best man in the world said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. The first thing I want to say about this text, I'm not, even, I'm not even got to what I want to preach. But I can't get past who this is that God's using to deliver this prophecy. He's picking the basest of the base. You know, we live in a society, the Bible says, that is ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We've got people whose brains, amen, are as big as Volkswagen, but they don't know anything. They can never come to the knowledge of the truth. And the truth is that if you will open your heart and your life and your mind up to the Word of God, you can be the dumbest man on the planet but be the wisest one. That's the testimony of this man. I didn't get taught wisdom. I didn't have the knowledge of the holy. I'm a a brute. I'm like Brutus with Papa. I mean, I'm just a brute. I'm nothing but the prophecy. 
The prophecy has come. And this is what I want to tell you about the wisdom of preaching and the importance of preaching in our life. We need the words of God. And it doesn't even matter how God brings them to us. You know what's wrong with some people? They have to have the message of God from a certain person. I, I don't know what, what Peter, oh, if we just had someone like the Apostle Peter. Oh, you mean somebody that denied the Lord. The, the, the cursing man at the, the, the trial of Jesus. <laughs> the hypocrite. You know, you, know, you know what you can do and what the devil will do to you? He will work in your heart to where you put, you're so critical in your mind that you can't understand the vessel from the words that God's trying to give you. You know, all the vessels are nothing. All the vessels are this guy. It's not the vessel, it's the words. It's not the fallacy of the one giving them. It is the prophecy. And you need the prophecy. It doesn't matter if it comes from a brutish man. It doesn't even matter. You know what God does? God will even send His word through an animal. I mean, He preached a prophecy through Balaam's ass, the Bible says. An animal. The words of God are so important that if God made a donkey talk, you ought to listen to it. Amen. That's how powerful, that's how important it is. Jesus even said, you know, God can raise up stones. He, he can even have the stones shout out. That'd be a thing if the, if the stones started preaching. Even if a, even you talk about dumb as a rock, if a, God said, "I can even make the rocks preach." What a vessel to listen to! By the way, when Jesus picked his first preachers, you know who they were? They were fishermen. They were. Agers. And when the Pharisees and scribes talked about Peter, James, and John, those guys, when Jesus went on back to heaven, you know what they said about these are ignorant and unlearned men. Boy, they, they must be like Jesus. You know, they even said that about Jesus. Jesus was in the temple, he was in the synagogues, he was preaching, and they said, How does this man know letters having Never learned. You know, Jesus didn't go to the best schools. He grew up in a poor family. He grew up in the carpenter shop. He didn't go to seminary. He, didn't, he wasn't brought up at the feet of Gamaliel or some high priest. No, no. He was just a poor man that had never been trained or taught in the ways of wisdom. Isn't that amazing? I'll say this, God can even use devil-possessed people to preach His Word. Now, I don't know if I'd have been there that day, I don't know how to took it. But when King Saul started prophesying, I, I don't know if I'd have taken that very well. Here's the guy 
that is uh, trying to kill David. This is a guy that's fighting against God. This is a guy that the evil spirit from God comes upon him. And yet he goes down. And when he goes down in Ramah, the Bible says the spirit of God. Now you talk about something amazing. The spirit of God coming upon King Saul. And you know what he did? He prophesied. Would you have listened to that message? Would you have gone to the altar over that message? You know, the prophecy, the Word of God is so important. It doesn't matter how God has to get it to you. You just need to receive it. Whether it's Agar, whether it's King Saul. I got, I got one even worse than Saul. Did you know that Jesus Christ commissioned Judas Iscariot to preach? Don't get the idea that the 11 apostles preached but Judas. That's not true. That the 11 apostles did miracles except Judas. That's not true. Even Judas was a preacher. You say, well, that was before he, he, he uh, betrayed the Lord. Jesus said he was a devil from the beginning. What if you'd have been in the crowd when they were feeding the 5,000 and Judas was the one that brought you the bread. I don't, I, don't, I don't take bread from devil-possessed people. What I'm trying to tell you is that God's words are so important because here's the truth about it. The truth about God's words are they're not the words of Agar only. They're not the words of Saul King Saul. They're not the words of Peter, James, or John. They're not the words of Judas. They're not just the words of some brutish man or some sinful man. These are the words of the living God. The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But the prophecy of the scripture is of no private interpretation. It's authored by God. So we are reading the words of Agar as the prophecy is given, but we are reading the words of God. Oh, the wisdom of receiving the words of God. I wonder this, this morning. He, will you be, he said, well, this is written to Ithiel and Ukal. No, no, this is written also to you. It, it, it goes beyond the speaker. It goes beyond who is spoken to. It's God Almighty trying to reach us with His precious Word. And I tell you what, your whole life, your whole life is going to be dependent upon your relationship with the prophecy. Amos said, uh, I was no prophet. I wasn't the son of a prophet. I was a herdman. I gathered sycamore fruit. You know what he said? The Lord took me and made him start preaching. And that gather of sycamore fruit was the vessel of God giving forth his prophecy. But I want to get to the message of this wise prophecy. It's in verse 4. They're all questions. We know this is of God because, you know, so many times when Jesus spoke, he, he, didn't, he didn't speak giving all the answers. He spoke so many times with questions. You know how many times people ask Jesus a question and he didn't answer their question, he just gave them a question? By the way, I think that's probably how God relates to us. We've got a lot of questions. But usually they're not the right ones. 
and we'll throw the question up to God. But if we'll listen real closely, He'll bring a question right back to us that gets a little bit more deeper to the issues of our lives. Here this man begins to prophesy, and this is what he says, these six questions. He says, verse 4, Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? That's a good question. Who has the power to do that? We live on earth. Who's ascended up into heaven? And who's descended? Who's got the power to go back? You say, well, Moses and, and, and Elijah and Enoch. No, no, they did not ascend into heaven. They were taken up to heaven. None of those people had the power to go up into heaven. Only God had to come down and take them up there. Whether it's the Lord raising Moses' body and taking him up there, or if it's sending down a chariot of fire and taking Elijah up there, or as Enoch's walking with God and the Lord takes him up there, but they had no power, they had no power to get off the earth. You know, that's why I think man is so infatuated with outer space. He thinks he's, he thinks he's ascending up into heaven, but he doesn't understand he ain't even got to the next floor. He's not even been to the top of the second floor. There's a whole nother floor. You know what the truth is? We don't really have the power to go very many places at all. Let alone up to God's heaven. I'll get back to that in just a second. Look at the second, second verse, or second question. Verse 4. Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? <laughs> what a strange thing to say. You know... You can't hold something that's invisible. Isn't that a, have you thought about it? Who's gathered the winds in his fifth? Something that's invisible. Something that's unholdable. This guy says, I tell you what, I know somebody that can hold invisible things in his hands. <laughs> I know somebody that can hold unholdable things in his fists. Do you know who this is? Only the Creator could hold. Only God Almighty could hold the wind in his fists. You know what man does with his fists? He doesn't hold on to things with his fists. He creates violence and acts out anger. His fists don't don't hold on to anything tangible, let alone something invisible. Here this man says, who, who's held the winds in his fist? Then he says, another thing, he says, who hath bound the waters in a garment? What a strange thing to say. You take all the water in this world and you will have an uncontrollable force. I mean, you can see the tsunamis, you can see the rivers and the oceans as they flow. And this guy says, do you know somebody that has put all the waters in a garment? <laughs> That's just as crazy as holding the wind in your fist. To t- Guys, come on. If you took a garment and you put water in a garment, what happens to it? It's going to soak the garment and it's run through. The Bible says this. This guy says, I know a guy that can take all the water and put it in a garment and it all stays there. (laughs) Only God could do that. 
Only God could hold the wind in His fist. Only God could put the waters in a garment and bind them there. Next question. Who hath established all the ends of the earth? You know, I I appreciate living in Alabama. I do. I know if you go to the ends of the earth, you're going to get to some extreme situations. (laughs) I don't know anybody volunteering to go live in the Arctic. That's the end of the earth. Up that way. I don't know anybody wants to volunteer to go to the end of the earth the other way and go live in Antarctica. But the Bible says this guy, this one has established all the ends of the earth. North, south, east, west, all the extremes of all. He established them. He put them there. He made the compass. Who could do that but God? You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid so many times, and this man could have done it, we look at ourselves and our weaknesses instead of the one that has the wind in his fists and the waters in his garment, and has established the ends of the earth. And we fail to see him. Only God, only God is the answer to those questions, is he not? But now here's, here's what I'm getting to, get to the next question. What is his name? Oh, what a question for humanity. There are many people that don't believe in God, but they're just foolish. They are they're fools. But then the majority of people that do believe in God, you know what they don't know? They don't know what His name is. And then they go to say, well, you know, God is unknowable. That's not true. This guy said, I know His name. What is His name? Do you know His name? Wisdom knows His name. He's not unknown. He's not unknowable. I I think some people, uh, even in Baptist churches, they they have a God that they don't know. Are you, if you're on a first name, if you're on a first name basis in a relationship with somebody, that means you have a knowledge of them. What is his name? He's not aloof from humanity. He's not just God up there somewhere with the wind in his fists and binding the waters in a garment and establishing the ends. No, he's got a personal name. Now, he came down in, in the form of an angel to Jacob in Genesis 32, and he wrestled with Jacob, the angel of the Lord did, and Jacob asked him, he says, what is your name? And the Lord said to Jacob, You're not supposed to be asking me my name. You're not supposed to know. Why are you asking my name? You don't know that. I see that story again in the book of Judges. We have Samson's mother and dad, Manoah and his wife, and they're in Judges 13. And again, God comes down in the form of an angel, and he appears, and the Bible says that they ask the angel. Manoah says, what's your name? He said, can't tell you, it's a secret. Is that not strange? God says, I can't tell you my name. It's a secret. Do you know most of the world doesn't know God's name and he's not very personal at all? And that God of the Old Testament that seems such a secret, you know God has opened himself up to all of us. He does have a name. 
And it's not just he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he is that, but he's got a name. You remember Moses, okay, Lord, you're sending me to Egypt. Who am I going to say sent me? I don't even know your name. Here's the guy writing the first five books of the Bible, told us where everything started. He says, I don't even know what your name is. And what did, what did God say to Moses? He says, yeah, I am. That's my name. And then he said in another place, he said, by my name, Jehovah. Oh, he's got a name. It's not a pantheist. Oh, God. No, it's not important. It's not, it's not as important just to believe there's God. You need to know what his name is. He's not a pantheistic God that's in everything and everything is God. And he's not a force. That's Star Wars. God is not a force. God's got a name. He's a person. And his name's not Allah. That's not his name. And his name is not one of the millions of Hindu gods. That's not his name. This guy said, I know his name. Do you know his name? What is his name? Do you know it? But he says, not just what is his name. Look at your verse. What is his son's name? This dude right here may be more brutish than any man, but he's about to reveal something that you can't find in the Old Testament Scriptures. And that is this, that God, God that holds the wind, God that binds the waters, God that establishes the ends of the earth, He has a Son! That's pretty high cotton for somebody never learned. He said, do you know His... He didn't even say He just had a Son. He said, do you know what His name is? Do you remember someone came to a blind man one day and healed him? And the world got mad at that. The religious crowd got mad at that blind man and kicked him out of the synagogue. And as he was kicked out, the man that opened his eyes came to him and he said, He says, Do you believe on the Son of God? You know what that, you know what that man that was blind said? Who is he? I don't even know who, who is the Son of God. Who is He? You know what that man said? It is I that speaketh with thee. You're talking to the Son of God. You know what that man said? I believe. And he worshipped. You know what they didn't believe about our Savior? They didn't believe He was the Son of God. Do you know what the name of the Son of God is? His name is Emmanuel. His name is Jesus. That's his son's name. And all of our eternity, all of everyone's eternity, hangs upon not just knowing who God is, but knowing what his son's name is and believing that and believing on him. That at that name, every knee will bow.
Every tongue shall confess. And whosoever shall call upon that name. Oh, he's got a lot of titles. He's the door. He's the truth. He's the good shepherd. He's the bread of life. He's the water of life. He's the Christ. He's the Son of the living God. The only begotten Son. But His name. I'm glad I know His name. He's Jesus. For He shall save His people from their sins. You know, our scripture says that one day the heavens are going to open. And riding down out of heaven, there's going to come a white horse. And this one that's riding that horse, he's going to have crowns on his head. The Bible says he, he's called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes are flame of fire on his head, many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Listen, 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 because we're coming full circle where we started this morning. His name is called the Word of God. You know, his name's not just Jesus. It's also the Word of God. And that's why the prophecy is so important. The words are important. The Son of God, His name is the Word of God. You need the Word of God just as much as you would need Jesus. He is the Word incarnate. He is the Word. His name. Shall be called the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And that goes, and by the way, who hath ascended up into heaven? That first question, that last question is the same answer. His Son ascended up into heaven. Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse 13 that no man hath ascended up into heaven. But you know the great thing about our Lord? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that He ascended up into heaven. But he first descended in the lower part of the earth. He can go up and he can go down on his own power. He can come out of the grave. He can go up to heaven. He can go down into hell. And he's coming back again because he's the only one. That son of the living God that has that power. Now let me ask you, how wise are you this morning? What kind of relationship do you have with the son of God? You know his name. What's your relationship with him? You don't speak in terms with him? You fellowship with him? Do you view him? Did you come to church this morning to adore him and to worship him like the blind man? I'm glad I know who the Son of God is, what his son's name is, and yes, I bow at the name of Jesus and I rejoice in the Word of God, the living Word that lives in my heart, and I need you more than I need my bills paid, and I need you more than I need health, and I need you more than I need another relationship, and I need you more than money, because you've got the wind in your fists, and you bind the waters in a garment, and you've established the ends of the earth, and wisdom tells me that I need your words and I need your son I have no power to do anything in my own life but I know one that has the power to go all the way up and come all the way down and so I'm going to give my life to him do you know his name this morning are you yielded to him are you acknowledging and worshiping him today and are you really looking at that prophecy, that book, 
is what you need more than anything in the world. Even if it comes from Agar. <laughs>